five, four, three, two, one. Bible study. It's time for some Bible study. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bible study time, verse by verse. This is your host, Joseph Brownlee of Connecting the Dots. Joseph Brownlee of Connecting the Dots. For my Espanol listeners, Ganaturo Las Puntos. Ganaturo Las Puntos. Hola, hola, como esta? Hello, everybody. Welcome to my show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And for my night listeners, hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Okay. Bible study is very important. But not only just Bible study, I'm talking about really getting into the Word and trying to understand what God's Word is saying. That's very important for the church today. Now, my show is basically for the saved, but the uh, the unsaved is welcome as well, and the uh, the curiosity listeners as well. But basically. This show, Connected to Dots, is for the saved, the ones that's part of the body of Christ, because their spirit has been renewed or made new. And they have a better chance and a better uh, ability of understanding God's word. And that's why I put focus on the saved when it comes to Connecting the Dots. Okay. Now, what I, with, with that said, I'm going to talk about a few things. What, what I want to do right now, I want to get in right into the Bible study in Romans 8. I've done a study on Romans 4, Romans 5, Romans 6, and recently Romans 7. And if you haven't heard uh, those teachings and those Bible studies, which is verse by verse, I recommend or I advise you to go back and check out those those studies, you know, to get some type of uh, understanding and some type of knowledge of what God's word is saying. Because the reason I'm doing these books is for the believer, the old and new believers to understand what is our positions, what is our possessions, possessions, and our personal, personage or personal uh, blessings that we have in the body of Christ, and we have many, many, many that I can I can even think of off the back. And uh, Romans four, Romans five, Romans six, and Romans seven. Romans four, it was dealing with faith mostly. Romans five was mostly dealing with our righteousness and our justification. Romans seven was dealing with the, of the law of the flesh and the law of the spirit, and the struggles that we have sometimes and uh, and, and stuff like that. But Romans eight is really going to be dealing basically as a follow up. Of Romans 7, where Paul was talking about his struggle with the law of sin and the law of death. Now, I'm, I'm not going to go back and reiterate uh, on uh, the, the ones that just, I've done, you know, the previous books that I have studied on. But I want to get straight to Romans, because Romans 8 is a longer chapter than the previous chapters. And, uh... And I, I'm going to be going through it pretty fast, but at the same time, I'm going to be breaking down and I'm going to elaborate and I'm going to try to uh, try to break down the meaning and give the best 
exp explanation of Romans 8 that I can, you know, of what I have studied when it comes to uh, the book of Romans, which is a very powerful book. Many people call it the Romans Road and et cetera, stuff like that. So without any further ado, what I'd like to do, you know me, I'd like to just go with some context. So I'm going to, I'm going to read the end of Romans 7. And then I'm going to get right into Romans 8. Like I said, the ones that's, uh, like I said previously, the ones that uh, did not hear my teaching on Romans 4, Romans 5, Romans 6, and Romans 7, you just have to go back on my podcast and just uh, get that study in. It's going to help you out a lot. It's probably something you could add to for uh, seasoned believers or whatever like that, but it's also for the young believers too. It's some stuff that you can get out of that that you can take with you, even in your witness. When you're understanding yourself, you'll be a better witness for the lost out there and a better, uh, 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 it, it gives you some ammunition when you're trying to uh, uh, explain to a new believer, especially about what happened at the cross. And these, these the Romans books are very important when it comes to that, that, especially Romans 4, Romans 5, Romans 6, and Romans 7. Okay. Now, without any further ado, because I like to keep this, like to keep this at least about twenty-five more minutes. So let's go and get into some study. This is Romans eight. Now, Paul was talking about his sin nature and the, the sin nature in general, not only in his, but he was he was given an explanation in his struggle with sin. So what I'm going to do. As I'm going to read all of that through so we can get a connection and then we're going to roll right into Romans 8 because I believe when you're studying the Bible, that's the best way to do it. You agree? That way you have some type of context and it's just like a rollover. When the, when the books are rolled over a continuation, I like to continue with those books. Not every book is not like that and every chapter is not like that when you're reading. But when it comes to Rome, especially the rows of four, five, six, and seven, they just like they go right after each other, especially Romans 7 and Romans 8, if you understand what I'm saying. Now, let's go and read. I'm going to start. Let me see. What's the best way to start? All right. <clears throat> let's go to 9, and then I'm going to read to 9 all the way to 25, but I'm not going to explain that because I've done it in the previous podcast. But I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to roll over right in to Romans eight. Okay, so let's go to Romans seven and nine. Paul is reading; he is teaching the believers in the body of Christ, and he reads, "For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived." In other words, sin came alive, and I died. Ten, and the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. In other words, slew me and killed me, killed in the King James Version. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. 13. Remember, I'm reading out of Romans 7, 7 and 13. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. Remember, I broke that down. God forbid. When the Bible talks about in the King James, God forbid, you can either use, replace that with, of course not. Or, you know, anything like that. God forbid. Well, of course not. No, you don't continue to do that. Of course not. I'm not saying that. You know, or God is not saying that. 
but what, that which is good made death unto me. God forbid. Of course not. But sin, that it might appear sin, worketh death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. 14, for we know that the law is spiritual. Remember, the law is always spiritual. But Paul said, I am carnal, sold under sin. Then he started talking about his past struggles. Now remember, this, this is the early, this is a, a pre-prison. This is before Paul went to prison. Remember I explained Paul's more advanced books is Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, uh, uh, Galat not Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Philemon, etc. Those are his prison epistles or his prison letters. He was more advanced and he got more revealed to him from Jesus Christ in those books. So remember, those books are later books. They're more advanced. They're more for the mature believer. Ephesians, Colossians, which they are so much alike. They got so much in common. Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, First and Second Timothy, Philemon, etc. Those ending ending books for the Apostle Paul. Those are his more mature, more advanced books. Romans is one of his more earlier books, like Galatians, First and Second Corinthians, First and Second Thessalonians, you know, those books are his before he went to prison. I hope I, I'm getting that through that. Th these those books are before he went to prison. So when Paul I'm not I'm not going to say that because I have no idea, and the Bible does not say that, but I believe Paul did not have so much of a struggle later on down the line because I believe Paul was in the ministry about at least about 25 years. As some, uh, some scholars and theologians and grace teachers believe, Paul ministered about 25 years, okay? So, but his earliest ministry, you know, he was still learning. He was still getting revelation because Jesus said he will offer known. Paul said Jesus revealed things to him later on down the line. So it wasn't all at one time that Jesus was revealing what he needed Paul to do and what he needed Paul to learn to teach the others. It was it was it took a little time. So like I said, he was in the ministry for about at least twenty five years. So this is one of his younger his uh uh not no, how could I put this? This is one of his earlier letters. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. This is one of his earlier epistles and letters. Okay, and I wanted to get that out there and everything. So Paul was still learning and he was still struggling in certain things. That's what I'm getting out of this myself, okay? Now, 13, was then that which is good made death unto me, God forbid, but sin that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal soul done the sin. Then he talks about the struggle he was having in the flesh. For that which I do, I allow not, for what I do. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. I remember I explained that the struggle with the sin nature. In other words, Paul was saying, the things I know to do good, I don't do it. But the thing that I know that is wrong, I go ahead and do those. That was a struggle. It did not say specifically what Paul was struggling with. We can all speculate and whatever like that, but I'm not going to go there. But he was struggling in some area. It could have just been ministry. It could have been a lot of different things. We don't know. But I don't think that's important or the, uh, God would have put it there. 16, if then I do that which I will not, I consent it to the law that it is good. In other words, I agree with the law. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. 
18 of 7, chapter 7. For I know that enemy that is in my flesh. Now, the flesh means his human nature. Not so much his skin and, you know, stuff like that, but his human carnal nature. That's what Paul, what Paul means when he talk about the flesh. His human carnal nature. Doyle's no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. 19, for the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Like I was saying earlier, he was struggling. The things he want to do that is right. The inner man, he don't do it. He don't listen to the inner man. But when it comes to his carnal, his human nature or his fleshly ways, he go ahead and do that. You know, it's like a struggle. It's a battle with two natures. So Paul was talking about that. So he was struggling with his, with his two natures. Now, if I do that, I would not. Verse 20, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. 21, I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members. Members meaning his his body parts and his mind and his emotions and stuff like that. You know, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. It's a war. We go through wars, body of Christ. We go through wars, saints. So that struggle, we shouldn't feel bad. And even though it can be very, very aggravating, we're going to struggle with the flesh and the spirit because we have the new rejuvenated inner man, which is the spirit man. But we still have our old nature, which is the flesh, which is our carnal, you know, our carnal ways, our carnal thinking, our carnal doing and things like that. So when Paul said the law of my mind, there's a battle in the mind with the spirit and the flesh. And it's bringing him into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. The law of his flesh. He started obeying his flesh over his spirit man. 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Listen to this very closely. Paul said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? What death? Sin brings death. Remember, the sting of sin is death. The sting of sin is death. Whenever you are in the flesh, it brings a condemnation of death. Anything that body that's walking in the flesh, you know, we're not going to get into Romans 8. You're walking in death because the mortal body will die. Sin brings death, okay? 25, thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, the spirit man, when he said in my mind, my spirit man, my rejuvenated spirit that been made alive, that been quickened, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, my carnal, my human ways, the law of sin, the two natures. Now, the reason I read all that again, you probably wondering why. Now, what Romans 8 fall right into after that? Because Paul was somewhat talking about condemnation. Sin, first of all, brings condemnation. When you're walking in the flesh as a believer, it brings guilt, which brings condemnation. Okay? So, there is the, the Romans 8 is like a victory. Because the struggle that Paul was going through and the struggle that we go through because we Paul is an, is an example for the body of Christ to follow, if you understand what I'm saying. Romans 8 falls up in there no matter how condemned we feel because of the sin we struggle with. And it's not pleasing in God's eyes, but 
we're going to continue to struggle like I uh, reiterated on uh, uh, the other uh, teachings that as long as we are in this mortal flesh, we're going to struggle with sin. But this is the victory. This is the reminder, Romans 8. Now, after all that Paul went through, giving us an example by using himself, and I think we ought to do that. Sometimes we need to show our scars. Now, we don't have to tell nobody everything or what it is, but sometimes people need to understand that you have flaws as well, but you can still walk in the spirit with your mess and with your flaws. Let me say that again. There is a possibility to walk in the spirit, even in your mess and even with your flaws, okay? Now, what I mean by that, let's go to Romans 8. First of all, Romans 8 opens up. Listen very closely. Now, all this Paul went through, this reminded us, me, you, and any other believer, to remember this. Romans 8. Listen closely. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Let me read this one more time, because it's very important. Romans 8 starts off, a continuation of the struggle Paul was having in Romans 7 with the law of sin and the law <clears throat> the law of sin and the law of God. Romans 8. Romans 8 is a reminder for all believers. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. No wrath. God is not coming down with his wrath on us which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, it's easy for a new believer or just a person that's reading it to just leave it on, there is therefore now no, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And stop there. Paul did not stop there. Sometimes we can read this as just saying that there is therefore now no condemnation to them. Now, them is the body of Christ, which are in Christ Jesus. And we don't put too much emphasis on the next words that's coming out of it. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, what does that mean? You can look at it in different ways. Anyone that's walking in the flesh, first of all. If you're walking in the flesh, if you're living in the flesh, if your lifestyle is in the flesh, look at it this way. One way, you're not saved. You're not really saved if you just practice and live comfortably in the flesh. That's going to bring death. And I'm going to get into that later on. So when it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation to them which walk in Christ Jesus. Now, them could be the world or them can be the body of Christ. Now remember, the majority of Paul's letters, he's talking to who? Believers. He's not talking to the world. He's not talking to the unsaved. He used the worldly examples to help us grow. But the majority of Paul's letters, especially his more advanced letters, he's talking mostly to believers. Okay? You know. Therefore, there is now no, no, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The fleshly way of walking brings condemnation. But if you're walking in the spirit or after the spirit, there is no condemnation because you're walking in your new man. 
Or you can look at it this way. If you're walking in the flesh or your human ways or your carnal ways, you know, it's a chance that you might not be saved. You need to check yourself if you're living that way. But let me continue that. You must be walking in the spirit to not be struggling with condemnation. God brings wrath on the unsaved, not for their sins, because of their, their disobedience. So there is condemnation to the ones that's not saved. But the ones that's walking in the spirit, the body, the ones in the body of Christ, we can walk in the flesh sometimes. Paul proved that in the proved that, excuse me, in the previous chapter, Romans 7. Right? Correct? Now let's let's read the scriptures correctly. It's gonna take me a while to get to them. Let me go as fast as I can. I don't want to spend too much time on one verse, okay? Now the two. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For the law of the spirit of life. Remember, there's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. See, it's the spirit of life of Christ that made me free. It's the spirit of life of Christ Jesus that made Paul free. Anybody that's in the body of Christ, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin or from the law of the power of sin or the influence of sin and death. Spiritually, we are free from sin and death, but the flesh still sins. The flesh still feels condemnation when we walk in the flesh, but spiritually we are free from sin and death. Remember that the spirit man that's being made alive or quickened is the one free from sin and death, not your flesh. So let me say that one, one more time. The spirit man is the one that's free from the law of sin and death, not your flesh. Not your human nature. Let me put it that way. Not your human nature. I want to get that out there because that's very important. Because sometimes we, we struggle. Sometimes we're thinking we're just looking at our flesh and we our our downfalls and our you know our you know our low ends or our you know just struggles. Okay. And we feel condemned. That's the fleshly person. That's the that's the Flesh, the carnal man that feels condemned. Why? Because sin brings death and the law bring, make, shows you your sin. So it brings condemnation when you're walking in the flesh. But the spirit man is already free from sin. The spirit man can't sin. And the spirit man can't die. I hope you got that. Okay, remember that. Verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sent his son, own son, and the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, condemned sin and the flesh. Now, I might have to continue this in another segment because of time constraints. Because Romans 8 is really going to have to be broke down, even though I'm going quickly. So, I might have to do that. Let's see. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sent his son and the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, condemned sin and the flesh. Christ came in the human nature. Christ came in the flesh. And the likeness of sinful flesh doesn't mean he sinned or he was walking in sin, but anybody that lives in the flesh got a sinful body. Christ came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He didn't was he didn't he wasn't born in sin. Remember, he was born through the virgin through the Holy Spirit. We was born in sin. Jesus was never born, even though he was born in the flesh. He was not, he didn't have that seed. He didn't have another human seed. If he was born through Joseph, 
then he would have been born through sin, uh, through sin because of the bloodline. But he was born through the Holy Spirit. Therefore, sin and death did not touch him. Well, sin did not touch his flesh. He, so Christ was the only one born sinless. Everybody else was born in sin because they was born through the the um the the, the normal human nature sexual way. Christ was born supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, another not from another human being, but but, the, but from the miraculous power of God. That's why I say in the likeness of the sinful nation, not in sinful flesh, but in the likeness, the lookalike, the form. Okay, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Christ condemned sin in the flesh, and he's the only one that can do that because he was the only one sinless that was living in a human nature, sinful body. I hope you understand what I'm saying. This is very important. Christ was sinless. Jesus Christ is the only one that never sinned, that lived in a human, fleshly body because he wasn't born by another human, fleshly parent. He was born by the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's what Paul was breaking that down. Not that way, but that's what they mean in the likeness of sinful flesh, okay? For that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Let me go back to this. Yeah, I'm going to have to do another uh, another uh, segment on this because I got, I've been in the 25 minutes already. It's going to take a little longer. So, let's go back. Three says, for what the law could not do in the and that it was weak through the flesh. See, the law was never written to save you or to save Israel. The law could never save Israel. Why? Because humans cannot follow the law. No human being is able to follow the law. Only one was able to do that was Jesus. He said, Joe, how did you say that? A lot of them lived and, uh, this way and they would have victorious lives. Yes, they had victorious lives, but they also had struggles while they was in the flesh. They had to, If they lived perfect lives, they wouldn't have to do the sacrifices they had to do in the law. Those sacrifices, you know, different kind of rituals and sacrifices, if I can say that they had to do for sin offerings. They had different type of sin offerings and stuff like that. When they did sin or when the people in the nation came to the priest, the Levite priest, and they had to do certain offerings and stuff like that, you know, sacrifices for the forgiveness of not only their sins, but for their surroundings and the nation of Israel, nation singular Israel, they had to do a sacrifice. Jesus was only the sinless person that ever lived. Everybody else, when it came to Israel, had to do some type of sacrifice because if they sinned and there was different type of sacrificial uh, sacrificial uh, things they had to do for each different type of sin. Now, you have to go to Leviticus and all the Old Testament for them to break that down. So, I just want to get that out there. Okay. Now, verse 4 said that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh again, but after the spirit. Now, again, the, that the righteousness 
of the law might be fulfilled in us, might be fulfilled in us. Listen to words carefully, especially in the King James Bible, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh. You go back to 8, Romans 8, it says, when you walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. It's important for the believer to walk in the spirit after his spirit, man. Because that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh. Victory comes to walk through the spirit. Matured and growth comes to walking in the spirit, our spirit in Christ. See, when you walk in the flesh, you only feed in your flesh. You don't feel the righteousness. Now, the, the spirit man, the inner man is righteous in Christ. It's Christ's righteousness that makes us righteous, okay? Always remember that, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Whose righteousness? The righteousness of Christ and the righteousness of the law, because Christ will fulfill the law. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. No other person that's walking in the flesh, the unsaved, has no benefit, has no benefits like this. The world walks in the flesh. We're supposed to be walking in the spirit, okay? Verse 5, for they that are in the flesh, here we go again, for they, for they that are in the flesh do not mind the things of the flesh. Who is they? Now, we can look at the world. The world walks in the flesh. The unsaved walks in the flesh. They walk in their carnal ways. They live a carnal life. Me and you used to be like that if you are saved. We live a carnal life, carnal life. Now, I'm not saying we all was evil. But remember, our righteousness is like filthy rags to the eyes of God. So it always has to be the righteousness of who? Christ. For when Paul says, for they that, that are after the flesh, in other words, they that live a carnal life, live in their human nature. They mind the things of the flesh. They obey worldly things. But they that are after the spirit, we're supposed to obey the things of the spirit. We obey the spiritual things, the word of God, prayer, different things like that, you know. Helping a, the spirit man to grow spiritually, not the flesh. We're supposed to be feeding, in a spiritual sense, our spirit man, not our carnal fleshly man. So they that are in the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Anybody that's walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit in a, in a carnal a, car, a, a carnal way has no meaning and has no desire to follow the ways of God. Let me just put it that way. All right. Six. Then he continues for to be carnally minded. Carnally means worldly minded. To be for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, when you read that, he's not talking about every time you have a carnal thought, believer, you're going to die. Or you're going to lose your salvation. He is not talking about that. He's giving an example. Now, for, for to be carnally minded, who is mostly carnally minded? The world. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He's just giving you an example of the difference between walking in a worldly way and walking in a spiritual way in Christ. One brings life and one brings death. Just like Adam, when he disobeyed, he brought what? He brought sin and death. With Christ and his obedience, he brought what? He brought righteousness and life. 
So when we get saved, we supposed to be walking in the spirit, obeying our spirit man, which is the one that's going to live eternally, not the flesh. The flesh is going to be made new. Well, we're going to get new supernatural bodies, not the flesh. We're going to get supernatural bodies. We're going to be totally walking in the spirit with our new bodies at the uh, at the rapture, at the catching away. So the ones, to, if you're walking in a carnal mind, it brings death. But walking in spiritual life, it brings life and peace. Why? Verse 7, because the carnal mind, listen to this, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Almost self-explanatory. The carnal mind is enmity. The King James says enemy. In other words, it doesn't listen to the things of God or it's an enemy of God. For it is not subject or does not give itself to or does not uh, uh, yield to the things of God. Why? Because it's of the world. The carnal mind, the flesh, does not follow the law of God. So anybody that's not saved, is majority of them is walking in a carnal life. They can't be walking in the spirit life because their spirit is still dead. So these are examples. Paul talked about his struggle, remember, in Romans 7. So it is a way that you can walk in the spirit-filled life. And still walk in the flesh once in a while. That does not mean that you are cursed or you are going to die. That just means these are the benefits that reset. Especially for the unbeliever. Believer. Because the carnal mind is enemy against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. 8. So then they. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Why is he saying they? The world. I believe he's talking about the way. He can't be talking about the body of Christ because we are sealed. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you do get in the flesh, remember your fleshly ways never pleases God while you're in the flesh. But the benefit that we have is because the spirit man is saved. That's different than the world. You understand what I'm saying? They that are in the flesh, in the worldly ways of think worldly, even if you are a believer, you cannot please, you're not pleasing God. You have to get back on your feet and start feeding your spirit man. Okay? You got to go back and feed your spirit man. So, excuse us, a truck going by, and I, I just need that truck to go by, so if you hear loudness and everything like that, that's what's going on. So I'm going to give it a little time because it's a loud truck going right by me. There's going to be a lot of those that's happening in, in the area that I'm studying on, studying at, okay? So let me continue. So, they, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not of the flesh. Remember, verse 9 says what? But ye, who is ye? The church, the body of Christ, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Remember, focus on the spirit. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. If you are saved and you believe the gospel that's taught by Paul, your spirit is being renewed and you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. So your spirit man is being renewed, not your flesh. Your spirit man is getting eternal life, not your flesh. 
Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. There go Paul again. He's giving you both sides, the fleshly man and the spirit man. He gives you both, both sides. Condemnation, when you're walking in the flesh, brings condemnation, brings death. When you're walking in the spirit, brings life and everlasting life and righteousness. Verse 10, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Remember what I was talking about? The body is dead because of sin. What saves you? What is saved? What, what person is saved when you accept Jesus Christ in your life, believing in what he done? Who gets saved? The spirit. That was made alive for what Ephesians said that was quickened. That's the one that is saved. Your new spirit man. All your spirit man needs now is the immortal body at the rapture. But the spirit man is the one that got saved. Let's return again. And if Christ be in you, remember the body is dead because of what? Sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Who righteousness? It ain't because of our righteousness. It's the righteousness of who? Christ is the righteousness of Jesus. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. Now who raised up Jesus? But the spirit of him that raised up Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that came, that's from God. The third of the Trinity, the triune, the Godhead. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit, dwell in you, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, remember? He that raised up Christ from the dead, listen to this, shall also quicken. That's why I was talking about that quicken, mean made alive, shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Remember, I said the spirit man is saved. The spirit man. Now, I know we have body, spirit, soul, and spirit. I'm getting to that later. I know. The spirit man is saved. We still have the same emotions and whatever and stuff like that, which is our soul. The soul is emotions and different things like that, the way we think of emotions like that. The spirit man is made new. We have to feed the spirit man. We have to renew our mind, which is our soul and our emotions and the new things of God. Why? Because we are a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, old things have become new. All things have become new, excuse me. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So, when we are raised up in Christ from the dead, our spirits shall be quickened. Our bodies will be quickened. And they will be connected to our new spirit on, on the day of the rapture, the catching away. This is, this is very deep, important stuff. It's so deep, I, I, I can't keep flipping on my words. I can't explain it as well as I want to. Read this one more time, and then I'm going to stop because of time constraints, and I'm going to continue in another section to finish this off. Because of time constraints, this is a longer book, Romans 8. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you and I, he that raised up Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, from the dead shall also quicken. Quicken means in the King James, make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. We're going to get new bodies, church. We're going to get immortal bodies. We are in mortal bodies now, but we're going to get immortal bodies to be able to go to the heavenly places because of the carnal body, this fleshly body, 
in itself, the carnal acts is just the things that we do with our members, you know. But the mortal body will not be able to go into heavenly places. Flesh and blood will not be able to go into heavenly places because that's not going to be needed. That's only needed down here on earth. We will have supernatural and mortal bodies with the join our rejuvenated new creature, which will join our, our new spirit that's been brought to life, that's been resurrected. It was dead since Adam, but it has been resurrected. The spirit, when we get saved, and the Holy Spirit resurrects our new spirit. Now the spirit, you know, remember the figure said we are dead. We dwell in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus even right now in a spiritual sense. We cannot comprehend that. When a rapture comes, when a catching away of the church happens, and it's going to happen, when a catching away of the church happens, those that are already dead in the graves in the body of Christ, they will be resurrected. Their spirits are already in heaven with Christ now. All the same people that died from thousands of years ago, even from today, their spirits instantly is in heaven right now. They're bodiless. I don't know how uh, uh, I don't know how they look, but I just know their bodily spirits are invisible. So our spirits are already in the heavenly places. The ones that died before us, spirits, are already in the heavenly places. Now, when the catching away in the church come, of the church, the bodies that's in the grave will come and meet them and connect to their spirit and become a supernatural body like Jesus' body was when he got resurrected. And he looked at the same, whatever way he looked it. He just had a new supernatural resurrected body. That's the same, likewise, that's the same thing's going to happen to us. And if the ones that are still alive, just say if you and I still alive when Christ come get the church, we're going to be instantly all at once. Body will be changed. Because we're not in the grace. If Christ come get us today, if Christ come get me today, I'm going to be instantly meeting him in the clouds in my new immortal supernatural body. Okay? I hope I explained that very well. And I'm going to stop right here. That's very, Remember, I stopped on verse 11 of chapter 8. This is very important. I'm trying to break this down the best way I can for the new believers and some of the old believers, mainly the new believers. Okay? God loves you. And there's only one way to be saved. There's only one gospel today. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. And I read that the other day, other day, excuse me, by believing in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the only way to be saved today. There's no other gospel. Now, there was many gospels in the Bible, no doubt. And those gospels is true at that time. But we're in the gospel of grace time. We're under grace. That's why I always put emphasis on the past gospels. Was taught by John the Baptist. Jesus. When he was on earth. The twelve disciples. And then they came apostles in the book of Acts. They taught the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Just like there was, there's different churches in the Bible, all the churches not the same. You have the churches of the wilderness and the days of Moses. You have the kingdom church 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have the church of the gospel of grace, the body of Christ church. Those are separate, different churches. They are not the same. You understand what I'm saying? So the gospel message for the nations is different from the gospel message for Israel because Israel was under a kingdom covenant and a promise. The church was never under a covenant or the Gentiles, and let me put it that way, was never under covenant. They was never given promises. They was aliens. They was foreigners. So if they tried to come any other way, they would be trespassing, just like somebody trying to come over the border in the United States. They are aliens. They trespass. You got to have a pass or you got to have some type of legal law to come across. Let's look at it in the spirit, in the, in the same spiritual. That's why it was so much of a separation, a wall of partition between the Jews and the Gentiles. That's why the Jews hated the Gentiles so much. Because they was God's chosen people. And God separated the Jews from the Gentiles back there. I'm going somewhere with this, okay? This needs to be explained. There's a lot of people, and I have to take my time. And I have to understand that I used to be the same way before I got red pill. And I learned how to rightly divide God's word and connect the dots. The reason I'm going here, because I really want you to focus, there's only one gospel today. The gospel of the grace of God. You can find that, I think, in Acts 24 and 24. The only time this mentioned about the gospel in that way, the grace of God, I think, is Acts 24 and 24. You could check that out yourself. I might be wrong, but I believe it's in Acts 24 and 24. The first time it's mentioned through Paul's letters, the gospel of the grace of God. That's the gospel in the program that you get saved under today because we are under the program, the dispensation of grace. We're not under the kingdom program. So you don't get saved by John 3.16. You don't get saved by Acts 2 and 38 and repent. Be baptized for the remission of your sins and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to endure to the end when you're saved. You can lose your salvation back then in the kingdom program. You cannot lose your salvation under the program, the grace program, under the apostle Paul, Paul. You follow what I'm saying? So the gospel today is a better gospel because all you have to do is believe what Jesus did, his death, burial, resurrection, compared to they have to believe that Jesus who he was Be, from prophesying in the book of Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, you know, uh, Malachi, the whole Bible in time past prophesied the coming of the Messiah and the rebuilding of their kingdom. That's what those books are about. The coming Messiah, their king, Israel, 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 okay? The gospel today is not the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel, kingdom of heaven. The gospel today to be saved is the gospel of the grace of God. And Paul explains what that is in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4. Believing in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Believing that and receiving it. I keep putting emphasis on your sins. Your sins is not holding you back. I explained that before. But for the ones that just just tuning in, your sins are not being imputed or charged against you according to 2 Corinthians, uh, I mean, 2 Corinthians, oh, 15 and, uh, 5 and 19. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5 and 19. I guess I'm getting a little tired. 2 Corinthians 5 and 19. 
God is not charging no one, no one for their sins. No one, okay? Now you just need to believe and be saved. You're forgiven for your sins, but you're still not saved. Salvation comes, justification comes, righteousness comes, glorification in the future comes, redemption comes when you believe what Jesus done on the cross. God bless you all. This is Joseph Brownlee. Until the next time, I will be continuing in Romans 8, 11 here on Connecting the Dots. I'll see you then. Get ready and get your spirit man ready for more teaching on Romans 8. God bless you all. Love you all. Peace out. Bye-bye.